This evening we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thank you very much to those who have led and uh, prayed and uh, helped us uh, sing. It is quite hot in here. Just to encourage you, I got an email this afternoon from a family that's just moved to India. And uh, they, 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 they said they, they always thought the weather in Scotland was bad. And uh, it, it's lovely and uh, clement, but it is warm. Um, the service sheet with the outline on the back can double as a, as a, a kind of fan. Okay, let's... Um, Let's turn to to God's word together. Now, you might find it uh, helpful to have the notes on the service sheet in front of you so you can see where we're going. More importantly, perhaps a a Bible to hand um, opened to Matthew chapter 5. I'd like to begin with what is a really fundamental question. And uh, it's good to perhaps ask that question at the start of a, a new year. Who is a disciple of Jesus? Or what does it mean to be a true follower? Or what is a true follower? Matthew writes his gospel with the Old Testament clearly in view. He quotes extensively from the Old Testament. And what he is doing in quoting extensively from the Old Testament about God's king and his kingdom in the world is to say that what is happening and what is being described for us is in fulfillment of what was promised long ago and in fulfillment of what was longed for by the people of God. And in the songs that we've sung tonight, many of them with the music combined with the lyrics Express to us as we wait for the not yet bit of our salvation, a longing. Eric prayed with longing that will be finally and fully answered in the new creation. One of the books that Matthew quotes extensively is Isaiah the prophet. And one of the things that Isaiah tells us in the section that Matthew quotes most extensively from is that our very best efforts to be righteous and to be righteous 
is to uh, be in a, a, a fellowship relationship with God. Isaiah tells us that our very best efforts to be righteous will be like uh, filthy rags. Sometimes the, the Bible, or often it uses imagery that just gets it spot on. Our righteousness on our own strength and in our own merits is like filthy rags. But wonderfully, Isaiah speaks about the Lord who will clothe us in his righteousness. Let me just read one verse. This is Isaiah 61 and verse 10. I will rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Now that takes us to the very heart of who a Christian is. And if you're a Christian and you're sitting here, as I'm standing here, it's good just to remind ourselves of who we fundamentally are. The righteousness that we with all humanity desperately need to be reconciled to God is beyond us on every and on any count. Our heritage, our life, our works, our efforts. It is rags. Christ is our righteousness. And him alone. We are made righteous by grace. Grace means undeserved mercy. Only grace. Through faith which is just the obedience of a human being to what they cannot do for themselves and has done for them. In Christ alone. That's who a Christian is. Someone who has been made righteous by grace, undeserved mercy alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Let me read you the words of an old hymn by a man called Robert Murray McChain, my son, and his fiance, uh, don't tell them that I'm telling you this, uh, would like this to be sung as part of their wedding service next year. I think they've got their eye on Callum Watt. Listen to this. I once was a stranger to grace and to God. I knew not my danger and felt not my load. Though friends... Christian friends spoke in rapture in glowing terms of Christ on the tree, the cross. The Lord, as my righteousness, was nothing to me. I often read with pleasure to soothe and engage as Isles' wide measure in John's simple page. Let me translate that. I really enjoyed the sermons or the Bible studies. But even when in Isaiah and John and Matthew they pictured the blood-sprinkled cross or tree in the song, the Lord as my righteousness was nothing to me. Like tears from the daughters of Zion that roll, I wept when the waters went over his soul. I think it's 
perfectly plausible and possible to weep when you hear the Sermon on the Mount. These most magnificent statements from the Lord Jesus. I think it's possible to weep when you sing a Christian song. And yet, not for a moment, I'm back to the hymn, think that my sins were nailed to the cross. Because the Lord, as my righteousness, was nothing to me. And then the, the light is turned on in our life. When free grace awoke me by light from on high. We'll get that next time in Matthew. Then legal fears shook me. I trembled to die. No refuge, no safety in self could I see. The Lord as my righteousness must be the answer. And my terrors all vanished before the sweet name. My guilty fears banished with boldness I came. To drink at the fountain, life-giving and free. Now the Lord, our righteousness, is everything to me. My treasure and boast, because I can never be lost. In thee I shall conquer by flood and by field. My cable, my anchor, my breastplate and shield. That just dates the song in the 19th century. But there are some things that don't change, whether we're in the 19th century or the 21st. Even treading the valley, the shadow of death. This watchword shall rally my faltering breath. For while from life's fever, my God sets me free. The Lord, my righteousness, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, my death song shall be. Now, that's a disciple of Jesus Christ. Someone who has been made righteous by grace, undeserved mercy alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we pray that tonight and in the coming weeks, as we listen to Jesus' teaching, we would be affirmed and assured as disciples of Jesus and if we are not yet true disciples, please will you make that clear to us and call us and lead us into the life of true discipleship for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, on the sheet you'll see um, the next heading, um, it's about the context or where our passage fits into Matthew. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. Let me just break that down. It's stating the obvious, but it's important for us to see Jesus is teaching. We saw that how he began his ministry back in chapter 4, verse 17. It's very hot, isn't it? 
Remember India. I give you permission to use the service sheet. What would we do in Britain without the weather as a subject of conversation? Uh, Jesus is teaching. We saw that in 417. That's how he begins his ministry. And chapters 5 to 7 is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon Jesus preached. Look at the two bookends, chapter one, verses five, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. The significance of the mountain, Sinai, where God spoke to Moses and through Moses to the people. Now it's Jesus, God's son, up on the mountain with the authority of God. Jesus, God the son, speaking directly to his disciples. And when he sat down, chapter 5, verse 1, that's the posture of the authoritative teacher, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them. It's very kind of fundamental, basic, non-sophisticated language. Jesus is a teacher. He's a teacher. And just flick forward to the end of this kind of big chunk of Uh, teaching from Jesus, the end of the sermon, if you like, chapter 7, verses 28 to 29. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowd were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And it's just to note uh, that the context here, and it's such a fundamental part of Jesus' ministry, his ministry, more than anything else, is a teaching ministry. That's his priority. And it's logical because God uh, creates with words. There's David coming back in through that door, having just left through that door. What on earth are you doing? (laughs) Why did I tell you that? Don't tell him I told you that. So God creates with words. Let there be. God speaks through his prophets. My king and my kingdom will come. Jesus, God's king, speaks. That's how he makes disciples. And Jesus' disciple-making mission, into which all of us are called, is one with words. Jesus is teaching about what? The kingdom of heaven. We saw that in Matthew 4. And Matthew chapters 5 to 7 are all about the kingdom of heaven what it is, what it means to be in it, what it means now, what it means in eternity. The kingdom of heaven is uh, synonymous with the phrase, the kingdom of God. Now, who is in view? Next heading on the sheet. Jesus is teaching his disciples, though others are listening. So look again at verses 1 to 2. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and taught them saying. So Jesus is teaching his disciples, his true followers. He is preaching this sermon through Matthew 5 to 7 to them. And so as we listen to Jesus' teaching, he's now coming in that door. He's gone. I mean, this is extraordinary. And uh, we could look at how the New Testament speaks about God's word preached is how God speaks. Now, now just take that for read. So if you are a true disciple or a true follower of Jesus, 
as God's word is preached, it is exactly as if you were sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because his spirit indwells you and takes that word preached and wells it up in your life and in your heart and changes you. Jesus is speaking to you. But there are others in view, seeing the crowds. And as we work through chapters 5 to 7, listening to Jesus, it's clear who else is in view. Who else is in view? Um, The the word I'm going to use, and we'll see this much more as we work through these chapters, for who else is in view is the self-righteous. Now, immediately when you use a phrase like that, you think, bad people over there. Let me explain what the Bible means by self-righteous. It could mean people who pretend to be righteous, pretend to be followers of Jesus, do the stuff that believers do, religious stuff. But they know deep down and they don't really care deep down that they're not. Self-righteous could also be, uh, let's call the first lot, the pretending to be righteous, the proud self-righteous. That's the meaning that we would associate with the term. The proud self-righteous just will not admit to their need of righteousness. Apart from themselves, their contribution. And they will not submit to Jesus. For the righteousness that he alone can give. Now they're not hypothetical categories. They're real people. Everywhere. Here's another category of self-righteous. Someone who cannot accept that Jesus really does want to clothe them in his righteousness. That he really means what he says. That they can be saved by grace alone, through faith alone. People who struggle to believe how wonderful the gospel is. It must be too good to be true. Perhaps also in that crowd, or in this crowd. There are those who are consciously unbelievers. But here, invited by someone or intrigued. Listening and learning about a radically different way to live and to die. Now, let's go back to the group that Jesus has primarily in view. Jesus is teaching his disciples, though others are listening. Jesus is teaching many of us in this room, as true disciples, and we defined what that is at the beginning, someone who has come to Jesus Christ undone, 
broken, in repentance, no longer trusting in their heritage, their works, their life, their relative goodness, and laying hold of the righteousness that is offered to them in Jesus. Jesus is now teaching you in verses 3 to 10 who you are. Listen to who you are. The poor in spirit. Consciously. Now notice I'm not saying listen to who a true disciple is. It's very different. This is God speaking to you. As a disciple, poor in spirit, a conscious unworthiness before a holy God, and a grasping of the beautiful truth of knowing we are forgiven. Who are you? You are those who mourn. Mourn over sin. Perhaps some of us, for me, as you prep and prepare these issues, these sermons deeply over sin, or mourning as Eric did as he prayed, over the effects of sin. In the world, in our lives. Who are you? You are meek, deeply humble, submissive to God in a reverent, appropriate way, servant hearted. Who are you? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, hungry and thirsty for the life giving nourishment, Jesus' words. Brings. Now, oftentimes we come along on a Sunday or we come along on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday to our small groups, not flying a flag saying, I am hungry and thirsty for righteousness. But there is an inner hunger, an inner thirst that causes us to come back. And then when life assails us with suffering, we find ourselves coming back and coming back. Because when we are in the word of God, in that habitat, then we move through the word as it is preached to us and come face to face in our hearts, in our lives with the Lord Jesus. Here's a a verse from a hymn. This is what happens When we sit at the feet of Jesus' word preached, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to what? Who? Not to the word. I came to Jesus. And I drank. Of that life-giving stream. And that stream is the righteous life in us. My thirst was quenched. My soul revived. 
and now I live in him. Who are you? The merciful. It's those who have been shown mercy, merciful to others and forgiving. Who are you, the pure in heart? That means you have an undivided heart. You no longer live in two realms. It feels like we do, but you don't. Your heart is Christ's. You are the peacemakers. As those who have been reconciled to God through Jesus, you are committed to Jesus' mission with words. You are committed to unity in the church. Who are you? The persecuted. Suffering for the sake of Jesus. Suffering for the sake of other believers. Suffering at the hands of Satan's attacks. Jesus Jesus, our Lord, is teaching us who we are. Now, you are listening to that, as I am listening to that, and I've had days on this. And our answer is, okay, but at best, fitfully, Why fitfully? Because there are unrighteous bones left in my body. There are unrighteous thoughts in my mind. I walk still in unrighteous paths. And I have for company on that path the Apostle Paul who said, wretched man that I am. Does that mean I am not a true disciple of Jesus? No, because as I'm hearing this, my whole self as someone who has been made righteous by Jesus is being moved in my inner being to a conscious awareness and a deepening of poverty of spirit of mourning over sin and the asking for forgiveness that may issue later tonight a meekness a hunger and thirst for Jesus an undivided heart as a disciple sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to his teaching you know when I was a a young preacher I would have made a joke at that point using the ambulance noise. I I don't mean that young preachers do this. I did it. Oh, there's a warning for us. That, That may well contain someone who's dying. It's important stuff, this. 
as a disciple sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching, his spirit that is within me is raising my affections for him as he is rendering me even live now more transformed in the poverty of my spirit mourning, meekness and so on every time I listen to his word that happens you don't believe you're like this I see it in you you don't really believe it I see it in you I don't believe I'm like this you see it in me if you see it, say it We need to be an encouraging church, thanking God, encouraging one another where there is evidence of grace and righteousness. Jesus is teaching his disciples who they are. Then Jesus is teaching his disciples that they are blessed. It's very hot, isn't it? Okay, let's keep going. Remember India. There's a word that creeps into our Christian vocabulary in very unhelpful ways. I have three children. How blessed am I? I have grandchildren. We're very blessed. I have my health. We're very blessed. Well, what does that mean for somebody who is about to die of an illness or who cannot have children? Are they not blessed? Here's the right use of that word, blessed. It means you, Christian, are highly favored by God. It means that for you, the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is with you now and forevermore. It means the glory of God is on you, resting upon you now and forevermore. And you're thinking, really? Really? Now, just listen. Imagine in your mind's eye. I think that's not appropriate. Jesus speaking directly to you. And he needs to say it eight times. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Me? Yes, you. Oh, but these marks are fitful in my life. So they are for every believer. Blessed are you. Are we hearing him? Blessed now, verses 3 and 10. Just look at uh, verses 3 and 10. They're the kind of brackets. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Present tense. Now. Verse 10, the other ends of the Beatitudes, uh, verses 11 and 12 are like a postscript. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, the Bible comes at that in all sorts of other ways. After Paul saying, wretched man that I am, says, but now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Blessed are you, highly favored are you, Christian, for now the kingdom of heaven is yours and nothing can take that from you. But many of the blessedness, that's wrong, much, not many of the blessings, much of the blessedness, many of the blessings, you kind of, if you say it like that, it means that some are now and some are later. They're all now because they're certain. But the experience of them, and Eric just, maybe he'd read the passage before. He had. That's great. <laughs> they're not yet. Blessed now yours is the kingdom blessed now and not yet they shall be comforted there is comfort in this life but there is eternal and profound comfort in the new creation where sin and sickness and suffering is no more they shall inherit the earth that is our inheritance but we've not got it yet they shall be satisfied The progress of the Christian life is to realize that satisfaction is only ultimately found in Jesus Christ, but we have no idea just how wonderfully satisfied we will be. They shall receive mercy, everlasting kindness. And you see that it's not just a not yet, there's a now and a not yet, and they shall see God face to face the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just, as it were, sitting at his feet, listening to his word preached with his spirit within us. We are in his presence, but in his physical presence before him. They shall be called sons of God. Sons is the inheritance, sonship in that respect. Children of God is how we could also Translate it. Now we're going to see the now and the not yet. Do you see how important it is as we navigate through life that we do not say anything other than what the Word of God says the Christian life is? To promise people all comfort now, prosperity, the inheritance now. True satisfaction will shipwreck them. Now, let's finish with these two verses about radical discipleship. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Maybe there will come a day when we need to use coded language, J and R, for, for this country. 
It's otherworldly. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Is it worth it? Well, to be outside of Christ, there is no comfort in eternity. There is no inheritance. There is no fulfillment of satisfaction. There is no mercy. We will not see God. And we will not be his children. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we pray that tonight and in these coming weeks, as we listen to Jesus' teaching, we would be affirmed, assured as disciples of Jesus. And if we are not true disciples of Jesus, that you would make that clear to us and call us and lead us into the life of true discipleship. If we are pretending to be true followers, but no, deep down we are not, help us to come to terms with reality as we listen to the Lord Jesus. And help us to come to him for righteousness. If we are self-righteous, because we won't admit to our need of righteousness apart from us, and submit to Jesus for the righteousness that he alone can give us, Help us to come to that place of poverty of spirit, of mourning over sin, of meekness. And if we are self-righteous, and there may be more of us like this, because we cannot accept that Jesus really does want to clothe us in his righteousness and can, that we really can be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in him alone, Loving God, if there are people struggling to believe how wonderful the gospel is, help them to give in to Jesus and be embraced by him and clothed in his righteousness. And to the unbeliever, consciously, interested, here, listening, how thankful we are as a church family, that such folks feel welcomed. But our prayer is that faced with this radical, different way of living, a living that is purposeful now, but issues in glory in eternity, may draw them in and draw them to Jesus Christ that they too might sit at his feet as true disciples. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.